Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a relationship, dating, and sex coach based in Kansas City, and I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy a good conversation about love, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over, and probably also listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Courtney Lane is by far one of the kindest, funnest, coolest, and weirdest people in a good way that I have ever met. She has her own business specializing in Victorian hair art, but I had her on to help raise awareness for asexuality. She's an ace, as is her spouse. I wanted to have her on to help dispel myths, give some great perspectives, and to share some resources. I feel way more informed after our conversation, and I'm sure you will too. A lot of people don't realize that aces can get married, they can have kids, they can be celibate, they can be single, but most of all, they can be really, really happy and totally comfortable in their identity. Enjoy the episode. Well, I am Courtney Lane, and my business card says that I'm a professional weirdo. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Great title. uh, More professionally speaking, I am a Victorian hair artist and historian, and I make art and jewelry out of human hair. And then I study and teach about the history behind this very old, nearly dead art form. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I met you at Global Entrepreneurship Week last year, which is coming up soon. And so Courtney has been doing this, like this is her business for, well, full time, five years. Mm -hmm. But how long have you been into this art form? Well, that's so hard to uh, pinpoint exactly because it was very much a journey. I was interested in the history of this art form long before I ever knew how to do it. And I always kind of like to say that my journey began very young. I was maybe five or six years old and... My first sort of dip into the history of mourning was when my grandmother took me to New Orleans to tour the above ground cemeteries. Mm -hmm. And at that age, she had no idea that I would even realize we were in a cemetery or that there were dead people in there. She just kind of wanted to see it and I tagged along, Mm -hmm. but I knew what it was and I loved it. I thought they were beautiful and that just sort of sparked a well, what became a lifelong obsession with how people have memorialized their dead throughout history. And so I I was still very young when I learned about using hair to make a memento to memorialize a deceased loved one. And that just clicked. It made sense to me. And um, that kind of became my focus in the realm of grief and death. And it has been that way ever since. That's amazing. I think that Yes, it's something that's incredibly unique and some people would certainly think is strange, but yes. man, it's just when you step back and think about that this is something that people people have been doing for a long time. Yes. Yes. I mean, you, you've gone to actually you just had a wonderful trip to Iceland where you got to see some beautiful art and history. And some of that included hair art. Yeah, yeah. I uh, Iceland was part of that trip and there. There was a little bit of hair in Iceland, but not. Not a ton. Uh, My main reason for going was uh, Sweden and Ah. um, also Denmark. Uh, Those uh, 
Scandinavian countries over there have a very, very fascinating history of uh, hair jewelry, and uh, most specifically in the Victorian era, 1800s. Um, but it doesn't get talked about even amongst uh, Victorian hair art people. They very often think about England and America in that regard, but um, humans have been using hair for art, for mourning, for any kind of ritualized purpose for hundreds, thousands of years, uh, depending on how you look at it. And lots of different cultures have done it. Hair has just always been such a heavily ritualized part of our lives. Mm -hmm. I um, admit, I know that there is a hair art museum here in town, but I've never been. <laughs> there is a hair art museum here in town, yes. Um, that's... Uh, owned and operated by a woman named Leila Cahoon, and it's honestly just her personal collection. She's been collecting antique pieces for nearly her whole life, and you can pay to go see her private collection. Gotcha, gotcha. So with you, you're currently doing like um, a lot of private work. Like mm -hmm. you're taking order, like, well, you stop taking orders, but right now what you're doing is again, helping people like they bring you a lock of hair and then you're transforming it into something that they can keep. But like, what's your, what's your overall goal with, with this? What do you want to do with your business? Oh, that's, well, I love doing the custom work. That is something that is so near and dear to my heart. When someone is giving me their own hair, the hair of a loved one to make something special for them. And I never want to stop doing that. I have so many orders right now that I'm temporarily shut off, but I hope to reopen that soon. But um, in addition to doing the custom work, I really hope to spread more information on the history of it because just hair as a concept is very historically important in every culture. And there is a lot we can learn from analyzing what hair means to people and how it's changed throughout history. But I also hope to keep the art form itself alive. So I, I teach classes on how to do these old techniques because when I was trying to learn, the resources were very few and far between. So there was a lot of trying to hunt down those old texts, but also mm -hmm. a lot of trial and error, a lot of trying to fill in the gaps in my knowledge by studying the antique pieces. And if it means something to someone to be able to take their loved one's hair and make something on their own. Um, I want to help them be able to do that. I want them to have easy knowledge on uh, how to do these techniques. Yeah. It, it really is something that I think anyone can do if they're interested in it. But right now, finding the resources are not too easy. I bet. I bet. Well, I mean, like you're saying, it's one of those... It kind of has become a lost art form, but with technology, I'm sure that there's ways that you can teach people. Have you, do you have like a YouTube channel um, or things like that? Yeah, I do. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Hair and Now. Uh, I and it. I assure you, I make as many hair puns as possible. I love and it. I love on it. that uh, YouTube channel, I talk about the history of it. And I talk about some of the different techniques, the things in history that we can still relate to today. It's very important to me that people can take what seems like a vague foreign concept of hair jewelry and be able to apply it to something they are familiar with. Mm -hmm. One example is the fact that Sears has been in the news lately for going very bankrupt. 
they started in the Victorian era as a mail order catalog and they sold mail order hair jewelry. So Sears is a brand that everyone's familiar with, but that's a little part of the history that people aren't. So I, I like to try to find fun snips of hair history like that to share on the YouTube channel. And I do have a Patreon account um, where if someone does want to support my work and uh, donate some money to me each month to make sure I can still do the YouTube video. Mm -hmm. um, I actually have video tutorials on how to do the art form. Mm -hmm. So if people really want to know how to do it and they can't make it to one of my in-person classes, that's um, what I offer in that regard for online education. I really love how technology is helping people like you and me get our businesses out there yes. and helping people, um, you know, really what we're doing is we're trying to help people learn mm -hmm. you know it's not just about us selling a product or selling a service we're trying to help people learn and grow and because mourning is something that's difficult for a lot of people it's so hard people are so bad at grieving yeah <laughs> and of course that isn't the only reason why you might keep someone's hair I mean mm -hmm. Sure, Nearly every sure. parent I know has saved their baby's first haircut. Yes, uh -huh. So there are many reasons, but most people are familiar with the Victorian mourning aspect, the mm -hmm. widow keeping her husband's hair. And um, as foreign as that seems to so many people today, there's a bit of truth to that. It's a tangible part of your loved one that you can keep that isn't at risk of decomposing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it really is the perfect relic and... If that's something that can help you process one of your most difficult times in your life, then it's a very important tool that I want more people to know that it's an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you're trying to also make it to where it's something that isn't just hidden away in a jewelry box. I mean, I know I've found as I've, you know, at my grandmother's house, my mom's, I think at an aunt's house as well, we found locks of hair. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, it's one thing to be able to like look in your box and see it occasionally, but you're turning them into like wearable pieces of art, like jewelry, um, like a pennant or things like that so that they can actually enjoy it. Yeah, I think it doesn't just have to be the lock of hair. It can be a work of art, whether that is a piece of jewelry that you can wear every day or it can be a framed picture like a hair painting, if you will, or a hair sculpture that can go under a dome for a table. Mm -hmm. There are lots of different options uh, depending on how much hair you have and how much you want to save. So I think it needs to be something that isn't just hidden away in a box. And mm -hmm. I, I honestly can't even tell you how many people have come to me and said, wow, when my mother died or when my sister died, I, I cut a lock of her hair and I thought it was weird. I didn't know why I was doing it. And I didn't tell anybody, and it's just been in an envelope or in a box mm -hmm. um, until I met you. Now I know what to do with it. So that just tells me that wanting to keep a part of your loved one is a very human compulsion, and mm -hmm. it's one that's not discussed. People do it, yeah. and they think that they're weird for doing it. But I want to say, no, It's <laughs> people have been doing this for all of human history. Yeah. And hey, a lot of moms keep their kids' baby teeth, so I exactly I don't think this is really all that. Like, you know, you're not. There's all sorts of reasons why you might do that. Just mm -hmm. I, I know my mom was just like, I don't know. I just kind of like kept them. Once I took them as your tooth fairy, I just put them <laughs> in there. Like, what else was I supposed to do with them? Was exactly. Kind of her attitude, and they just stayed there. Like, I don't think they're there anymore. But um, I know she's not the only parent who has done things like that. So I think right. a lock of hair 
uh, is a little bit uh, less <laughs> less strange than keeping the baby teeth. But well, it, it's a it's a human, it's a human relic, relic either way. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> But hey, here at least you can put out in something like as a piece of art. Teeth, yes. Teeth just makes me think of um, that Gillian Flynn book um, that just got made into an HBO show where the little girl was a murderer and she was taking the teeth out and using them as like <laughs> tile floor in her dollhouse. There, yeah. There's a very um, interesting association that I think a lot of people have of keeping teeth or even I've heard hair as like oh that sounds like some serial killer stuff right there <laughs> you're saving a part of a dead person like <laughs> think no. about it think about it and apply it to your own life and some people have a knee-jerk reaction to hair they think oh hair that's gross like it's not in your food right <laughs> it's it's under glass we're mm-hmm. we're making it into art so you aren't just looking at a few strands of hair mm-hmm. um so it, it is a very different thing and you, you kind of have to teach people how it applies to their lives because back 100, 200, 300 years ago, this was common. It was wildly popular. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought twice about saving hair and turning it into something. Mm-hmm. But it's just been so far removed from our culture today that if you've never heard of it, it's automatically weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you're out there helping educate people. And um, sounds like bringing a lot of comfort Yes, folks. yes, that's very important to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, I didn't just bring you on here to talk about your business, which I love and it is fascinating, but um, I reached out because there's um, Asexual Awareness Week coming up. Yes, Asexual Awareness Week is coming up, and I happen to be asexual. And I have never had someone on the show that's asexual. And the whole goal of my show is to have people on who have different perspectives about human sexuality and are willing to talk about it and help educate people. I mean, sometimes people don't know what questions they have or what things that they don't know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are familiar with LGBT. Now we've added the QIA. A lot of people don't understand the A part. A lot of people think the A is for ally. Yeah, that too. (laughs) That too. And it's not. It's for asexuality. Yes. so can you help help me, help my audience understand a little bit more about, I mean, asexuality is also somewhat of a spectrum. Yes. There's a lot of different ways that people practice it or, I mean, just everyone's different. The human experience is so varied. So whatever we discuss today, I don't want anyone to take it as like, this is how everyone is that's asexual. Right. Mm-hmm. This is Courtney's perspective. Yes. And so. that's very important to understand. And that's always what I try to say first when having this conversation is, Asexuality itself is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, I am married to also an asexual individual, and even the two of us are a little bit different within the ace spectrum. Gotcha. So um, that is important. Which is often how people refer to themselves, right? Is ace. Yes, ace, short for asexual, Mm -hmm. for sure. And the. Considering that it is a spectrum, the best way to describe it in an all encompassing way is that it is lack of sexual attraction to any or all genders. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people familiar, obviously, heterosexual, you're sexually attracted to another gender. Mm-hmm. Homosexual, you're sexually attracted to the same gender. Asexual, you are not sexually attracted to any gender. Mm-hmm. Um, 
However, within the asexual spectrum, many asexuals can still be romantically attracted to someone. Mm -hmm. So you may start hearing when having asexual conversations phrases such as homoromantic asexual. I'm romantically attracted to the same gender, uh-huh. just not sexually. And okay. so it's it comes down to the attraction. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Asexuality isn't something that's like deep, dark, and mysterious, but it is something that people just really don't understand because it, they're not asking questions about it or they don't know somebody that's mm-hmm. asexual. Um, or it's just, again, because people, aces aren't sexual people they're not talking about that stuff so i think it's because they're not part of the conversation oftentimes in the community Mm -hmm. that there's just a lack of understanding right there there absolutely is and aside from the fact that asexuality just isn't discussed nearly as often there are a lot of misconceptions about there and even within the lgbtqia community there are still some pockets of that community that still aren't quite accepting of asexuals. And um, I, I've seen so many people joke online about, you know, asexuality and bisexuality are the, the two that nobody sees and <laughs> we're the ones that no one gets. And there, there are a lot of similarities in that sense because um, mm-hmm. I'm sure many people who probably listen to this podcast are familiar with you know, a bisexual person, some people are saying, yeah, you're basically just straight or you're basically gay. Um, you're just on your way to something. Yes. Um, yeah. A lot of ace people get the same thing or they'll get, you think that now, but you just haven't met the right person. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. well, no matter whether or not I meet the right person, I'm still not sexually attracted to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if I am romantically attracted to them. So it it is, there is still a lot of education that needs to be done in that regard. Yeah. Well, and I'm, one of the things that bisexual people like myself go through is that if you then settle with somebody, then it's like, oh, well, then you're actually straight or you're actually gay. Like, Mm -hmm. so then if you as an ace settle with a partner, then it's like, okay, so you're not really asexual. (laughs) Right. So then you're having to come, come out constantly yes okay that's no that's that's not the identity that I you know take on like you're putting that upon me like right or when people who maybe think that they do understand asexuals but then they meet me an asexual who is married and they say oh so you're just like roommates Mm. no (laughs) no (laughs) I'm sure you're friends (laughs) I'm sure you're the best of friends (laughs) I, you know, but I, I mean, I see your posts. I see a lot of like romantic gestures between you two. Like mm-hmm. you just, you know, post nice things about, you know, he's your person. He's your human. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we are very much in love. We are very much romantic. And just because sex is not an important part of our relationship does not diminish what we have as a couple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another misconception that's out there about the ace community is that if you're asexual, then that means you're not going to have kids um, Mm, and you're not going to ever have sex. Right. And that's not true either. Yeah. And that's, that's another part of... Not for everybody. Not necessarily, I should say. Like maybe there are people who, yes, that's their path. But what I'm saying is that's not the only path. Yeah. Yeah. That's another part of the spectrum is 
Are you totally sex repulsed? Do you refuse to have sex? Are you sure that's not going to be a part of your relationship whatsoever? Or are you sex neutral? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're asexual and you don't desire that uh, sexual side of a relationship. But if you have a sexual partner, then yeah, okay, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do this. Mm -hmm. And then there are even some asexuals that consider themselves sex positive because, you know, all of the organs are still functioning. It's not, uh, it's not a disorder. So there are some mm -hmm. asexuals who can still appreciate sexual pleasure. And even though they aren't saying I'm sexually attracted to a woman or a man, they can still experience pleasure and sometimes even want it. Mm -hmm. So that's just another subsection of the spectrum is which is why these conversations need to happen because yes, yes. with where I am on the spectrum, I, I basically needed an asexual partner because yeah. mm -hmm. I personally am, we're going to have problems if I have a partner who's very sexual. Yeah. Um, but not, not every asexual person is that way. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's, you know, it's a valid point that you've got to find the person that, that matches your, your, I mean, do you consider it an orientation? Yes. So you got to mm -hmm. find someone that's matching that orientation. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And someone that respects your boundaries too. Oh, absolutely. Because that's one of the biggest things is like, this isn't about just libidos matching. Mm -hmm. This is literally about saying my boundaries are this and here is why and having that person be able to respect that. And yeah, someone who would be, you know, a very sexual person would, I feel like there would be just too much demand for you to bend and you to change towards right, them right. rather than them coming to you. And and a lot of asexual people who are not on the sex positive side of things uh, really fear that they may not ever be able to find someone who can accommodate them because, I mean, last I think I read the estimate is 1% of the population is asexual and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's a small percentage of people, but aside from the small percentage, it's just people that don't talk about it very yeah. much. Hey, 1.8% of the population is redheaded. We all know redheads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you might know an asexual person Absolutely. and not even know it. <laughs> Absolutely. Because again, if it's, there are a lot of people that are out there talking about their sex lives a lot that are mm -hmm. sex positive. But yeah, I mean, if you're just not out there about that stuff, like it just doesn't come up again. So mm -hmm. like that's, yeah, like you say, that's why we're having these conversations. Yeah, so, and, and unfortunately, I feel like a lot of asexual people feel totally excluded from sexual conversations mm -hmm. because when there's this whole movement of people who are sex positive and let's talk about this, there start to come a lot of phrases that you'll see over and over like, sex is what makes us human or everybody has sex and then there are some ace people that are sitting there going are are we not human to you no you're <laughs> and right. and you're not right. everybody does and so there mm -hmm. is a lot of language even within very sex positive very lgbt inclusive communities that can uh, make a lot of ace people shy away and not necessarily feel seen or included. Yeah. You know what? That's a valid point because I know I have said before, like a lot of the reason why I talk about especially sexual health and just human sexuality is because I say we're all here because of sex. Ah. <laughs> so, but yeah, then I have, you know, sometimes said too, like 
everybody has a sex life. Everyone needs to know have sexual health. And, and still, obviously, aces have to have good sexual health. You know, this isn't just about you having sex with somebody else. Like, your, again, your organs are still there. Mm-hmm. Your things are still there. Like, things can still happen. There can still be dysfunction. There can still be pain. There can still be all sorts of issues. So, like, sexual health is important for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, in that sense, that, that will help me think a little bit harder about how I approach it so that I can be more accommodating and inclusive talking about asexual folks. So thank you for that. Our community appreciates it. Absolutely. (laughs) I, I really do try my best to be as inclusive as I can with my language as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times I actually had someone comment a couple weeks ago about, or maybe it was like a week ago. I don't know. Someone saying like, you say partner a lot. I'm like, yeah, because Uh I don't know who I'm talking to and I don't try to make any assumptions. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, partner is just incredibly neutral. So I don't have to say boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, uh, or fam for someone that's non-binary. I mean, it's just partner is just whatever. They're like, okay, well, I mean, I guess I kind of get it. He was a little older than me. Uh, He's like, okay, uh I guess I kind of get it. But you know, it's just how I, how I've tried to like steer my vernacular. You know, it just takes practice, right? Yeah. And I think partner is a great word. (laughs) I mean, I very often refer to Royce as my partner and Mm -hmm. we are married. Sometimes it's my partner. Sometimes it's my spouse. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, yeah, I think it's great inclusive language. Mm -hmm. One other, I was just kind of looking up some misconceptions about asexuality Mm -hmm. and, uh, one thing that got brought up was about um, that asexuality doesn't have anything to do with your gender identity. Right. It doesn't mean that you, not every asexual person does not identify as their gender. Like mm-hmm. there, it's not the same thing as being non-binary or fluid. Right. Like you are a cisgendered woman. Yes, I yeah. am. So again, it's just, there's no connection between the two. They're very, very separate and distinct. They are. Factors. And and just like... Um, just like with homosexuality, heterosexuality, that isn't your gender. That's who you're attracted right. to. Mm-hmm. So the the main emphasis of the conversation that a lot of ace people try to put out there is that this is just my orientation. It's who I am attracted to or who I'm not attracted to yeah. <laughs> in, in this case. I think a lot um, of people who are still trying to learn and understand, because I mean, let's be real, in the last 20 years, there has been a dramatic shift in... The way that people talk about the LGBTQIA community. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of terms out there that people are trying to understand more about, but they, I think that there's so much confusion. And I think one of the main things here I want to make the distinction of is that orientation has nothing to do with gender identity. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, ju- just an example of that, I, I mentioned that Royce and I fall a little differently in our uh, A spectrums, but... Mm-hmm. Um, I am a cisgender woman, and Royce isn't cisgender. Um, uh, he He's fine with he pronouns or they pronouns, mm-hmm. but he's actually more agender. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he kind of is like two different A's. He's agender and asexual. Mm-hmm. Um, al- although his um, brand of agender, he's very sort of neutral about things. Mm-hmm. Um, he... Uh, has actually referred to it as meh gender because <laughs> one time I asked you know if someone just straight out asked you what is your gender identity he said meh 
<laughs> and then we got to talking about like, huh, that could be an interesting new pronoun. Yeah. Like I'm Mez gonna... going to the store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. But, you know, it's just, and it's not always something that's incredibly important to everyone to like say, like, yeah. here's my label. Here's my identity. It's more for right. other people to be able to navigate how to work with us. But yeah, that's also something that I wish our society would work on is mm-hmm. I need to know your thing mm-hmm. so that I know how to talk to you and I know how right. to treat you. Can't we just have a good common language uh, that we're just being good humans? Yes. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be about like, oh, well, I can't say this around you because of your orientation or I can't say this to you because of your gen- Like, Just have a good human conversation regardless of what I am or I am not yeah and and just being open I mean I totally understand that a lot of non-binary people or a lot of trans people who are maybe not Royce's experience who feel very strongly that I am this and this is how I want you to address me um unfortunately so many of those people get fatigued because so many people just ignore them or forget and Mm -hmm. it's like let's just converse listen to what someone else is saying and change what needs to be changed Mm -hmm. and just talk to people how they want to be talked to (laughs) yeah and they'll they'll usually show you yeah just keep talking to them they'll show you exactly how they want to be treated what they want to be called all those things so how do how do people connect? I mean, you're talking about how, obviously, again, if this isn't something that's as visible as lesbian, transgender, gay, whatever, how do asexual people connect? Is there are there websites specifically for people? Do you use? I mean, Fet Life is something that's out there, but again, that's you like. There's so <laughs> there's just lots of different options out there, but I'm just kind of like thinking. I don't personally know. Like if I had someone come to me and say, I think this is me or this is me, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to meet people. Like, I don't know where to send them to be like, yes, here's other people who are like-minded and then uh-huh. you might a community. Like where do you find community? Well, the big one is a website called AVEN for, let's see, Asexual Visibility Education Network. Okay. Um, and that is a community of resources and chat rooms and people who all fall in different places of the ACE spectrum. Mm -hmm. So that, um, I think is really probably the first website I found after I embraced the title of asexuality Mm -hmm. for myself and wanted to read of other people's experiences um i found avon and i know a lot of other people do and i think there are even some uh groups on facebook that are just like asexual aces Mm -hmm. and uh things of that nature where people are always posting and conversing and educating one another and uh one thing that you start to see when you're a member of those communities is a lot of people just questioning their own place on the spectrum there will be mm -hmm. a lot one common question I always see is you know I feel asexual I don't think I'm sexually attracted to anyone but I have a high libido Mm -hmm. and can I still be asexual if I have a high libido and those communities are great because then you'll start seeing droves of people say absolutely yes (laughs) like you're, you're allowed and like some asexuals do have a libido some don't that's part of the spectrum and that's mm-hmm. just 
part of the community. So anyone who's questioning or even if you aren't on the A spectrum and you just want to see other people's experiences, there are a couple of uh, really good places online to go for that. Good, good. Because everyone needs to have a place that they can go so that they at least say like, wow, I'm not alone in this. Yes. And when you've got questions and you don't know where to turn to, I mean... Google can be, you know, a scary place sometimes. (laughs) That's true. However, I'm sure that, um, you know, at this point, if you're, if you're Googling the right things, not, I think don't go to Google and just like ask a question, (laughs) go to it with like more of a statement, Yes. like resources for asexual people Mm -hmm. or resources. If you have questions about this Mm -hmm. so that you can actually get things like not for profits or again, these communities, these networks, um, these education resource centers, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, that are actually out there helping people rather than just. And find those resources resources too. If you are looking, find a community of those people. Don't Mm -hmm. just ask anybody or take anybody's word for it because I, there are so many poor representations of asexuality out there. Mm. Honestly, the first time I ever heard the term asexual was on an episode of House, okay. where a man comes in for a totally unrelated medical something or another, but he says he's asexual, and so Dr. House says, nobody's asexual. That's not a thing. <laughs> Everybody's sexual, and I'm going to prove it. So he goes on a journey to prove that there's something medically wrong with this man that's causing him to say that he's asexual. And lo and behold, he finds something medical that's something in his brain that's affecting his libido. And Oh, and that man had a wife who also said she was asexual. But once she found out that it was a medical problem, oh, it turns out the wife was lying the whole time and she was just saying she was also asexual so she could marry this. And that was my Aww. first time I ever heard the term asexual. So as an asexual person, that's the kind of representation that's been in big media for us for a very long time. And so not great. <laughs> yeah, because giving people the perception that there's something wrong and that there's something mm-hmm. fixable. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, yes. it's diagnosable. Yes. It's, yeah, and that's that's one thing. Like with, with coaching, my job is to not diagnose people. Mm-hmm. My job is to not um, medicalize an issue. Mm-hmm. My job is to help people just think of it as like it's a situation and we're looking at, at things, mm-hmm. you know, but there's nothing ever wrong with someone that I meet with that's sharing these things about themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm. Hmm. that's sad that that's the... The first thing that you saw, but I'm glad that you've now gone on to find other things. Have you ever seen a really positive representation of asexuality in media? Only recently. Okay. Only recently. I was so thrilled to see that BoJack Horseman had a very good representation of asexuality. Okay. I believe it was at the end of one season, there's a character named Todd and he's kind of a goofy sidekick. And once he started getting more depth, it was just like the depth is hitting you over the face with this character. <laughs> I love it. But at the end of one season, someone was saying like, I think it was a, a girl who was interested in him was saying like, oh, well, I mean, are, are you gay? Why, why aren't we doing this? <laughs> and he said, I don't think I'm gay, but I don't think I'm straight. I kind of think I'm nothing. And that's where that season ended. So I was sitting there watching with Royce and we were going, oh my God, he, he's asexual. We know it. It's coming. And 
uh, sure enough, the next season he went on a journey to learn about asexuality and try to find himself. And he went to, um, he went to like a meetup of asexual people and he found a married ace couple and he's like, wait, you can get married as an asexual? And they're educating him saying, of course you can. And uh, he actually starts briefly dating a, uh, if, if you aren't familiar with the show Bojack Horseman, half of the characters are animals, anthropomorphic <laughs> yeah. animals. Uh, and Todd meets an axolotl woman and, and she is also asexual and they start uh, dating for a time and uh, I don't actually know how this started myself, but for some reason, axolotls are actually kind of the uh, uh, mascot of the asexual community. Ah. So I thought that attention to detail, mm-hmm. like clearly either there was an asexual person on the writing staff or they just did really good research mm-hmm. and the attention to detail was amazing. And so oh, I, I loved that. And that was the first and... I think so far only really positive representation of asexuality in media right now. Mm. I have not really watched that show, but I've heard really good things. So I feel like it's just time I need to watch it. So especially to hear that, like if it's a positive representation to the point where you're just like, yeah, you guys like nailed it. Then Mm -hmm. yeah, I want to, I want to see that because like I, I need to understand more about it. I really do. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm doing what I can to be supportive, um, and also bring visibility uh-huh. to people because as, as someone who's not in that community, I've said it before on my show, like asexual people should not be the only people talking about it. Mm-hmm. Minority groups cannot be the only people standing up and telling like their stories. Like right. I don't need to tell stories for them. I just need to be able to have that platform to help other people tell their story or again, like share content Mm -hmm. or um, help people understand more about themselves and build visibility that way. But yeah, and it it has been so fascinating because I have some friends who are not in the asexual community who watch those episodes who would then be texting me saying, oh my God, did you see this yet? And um, But as an asexual person, I picked up on some things that my ace friend, my non-ace friends didn't. Um, for example, and this was just so silly and obviously way over dramatized, but there was this episode that was a bit of a farce where the axolotl woman's whole family were very, very sexual. Like one, I think was a porn star and (laughs) one was a very accomplished erotic novel writer. And, uh, she was like, I haven't told my family that I'm asexual yet. And... All of my straight friends, or at least my sexual friends, all thought that that was just kind of a flip of what sexual people go through when they're coming out to their families. But Mm -hmm. I kind of had a moment where I had to come out to my more sexual family as asexual. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that I had to come out as an asexual because I just thought it is what it is. I just... Like, it is what it is. I don't have to come out. But then it got to a point where my grandmother, for example, was a big one. She'd be like, oh, look at that guy's butt. Isn't he hot? And she'd, like, start having these little, like, my grandmother was Grandmas amazing. Grandmas can get dirty. She, oh, I, I love my grandmother to death. She was 
she owned the fact that she was a sexual being <laughs> so she didn't hide it so especially once I That's got into my once I got into my late teenage years I started just really getting it from all angles and mm-hmm. it got to a point where I was uncomfortable with some of the things she was saying just because you don't feel the same <laughs> I don't, don't feel the same you're, you are not wired that way exactly exactly yeah. and and then once uh Royce and I got married it's really astonishing how many innuendos you start getting from family and talking in code like everyone's going wink wink uh-huh. we secretly know you're fornicating and uh-huh. we're, we're, we're also just like um well so I I had to have a conversation with my grandma and I, I took her to get sangrias and uh-huh. I waited for her to get a little bit tipsy and I I came out as asexual to her and she did not get it at first mm-hmm. and uh she was very accepting of at least the lgbt community that she was already familiar with mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. honestly i feel like it would have been easier on her if i was just like grandma i'm a lesbian she'd say okay <laughs> i understand I lesbian yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but i had to really really dig in because mm-hmm. she even made the comment at one point she's like well at least at least I understand gay people because they're sexually attracted to someone. Right? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It's like that complete absence of it was just such a foreign concept to her. Yeah. And she, she finally got it. And then she mm-hmm. was really excited for us. And like, what are the odds that you two found each other and were still so perfect for each other? Mm-hmm. And so she, she ended up becoming very, very supportive. But it, it took a couple of conversations to get her to quite understand. And so yeah. as I'm watching this overly dramatized episode of an asexual who hasn't come out to her sexual family I was going wow I I secretly feel this (laughs) Hmm. and that's that's what everyone deserves is to have something that they can look at I think film tv all that stuff is so important in Mm -hmm. telling stories and that there is a certain amount of responsibility Mm -hmm. of telling people's stories in an accurate way so Despite all the bad ones out there, I'm glad to have that example. That's awesome. I'm, so, I'm very glad to, to help look at be one of those. You, you deserve to look at, we mm-hmm. all deserve representation. We all deserve to see ourselves reflected in a positive way through mm-hmm. some art form. Speaking of that, I had a recent interview um, with a uh, romance novelist. Ah. And, and that was a, a part of our conversation about how there has got to be more romance and erotica, which they are two different things, romance mm-hmm. and erotica. Um, not every romance story has to have sex and erotica in it, but there needs to be more stories out there from different people's perspectives, mm-hmm. especially in the LGBTQIA community. Yes. And, and while those stories need to be told, it's also challenging for people that are maybe already in the industry because if they are not that thing, if mm-hmm. they are not trans, if they are not asexual, if they are not bisexual, they they do have that duty to tell the story in a in a great in a good way, um, in a humane way. Um, but they may not always, like you say, have the perspective to understand the nuances of how people behave. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's up to people like yourself who, who are very creative or to find maybe. other creative people. Like how do we get more asexual people to get out there and tell their stories in a way that again, brings visibility. But I also think that there's that line between bringing visibility and feeling like you're constantly having to teach people. Right. Yeah. 
you know, so I, I get that there's a line there, but mm-hmm. how, how do we maybe encourage folks who are not, you know, your life is not revolving around sex. Like a lot of other people's does. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll be honest, my life revolves around sex. Um, in many, many, you know, ways, shapes and forms, but I understand there's lots of people that don't have that perspective. So, right. but I might, I, if I wanted to write a romance novel, I'd have a hard time telling your story. So, right. Right. And it's and at that point, it, if I'm having you fact check or having you add things or just interviewing you for it, I feel like, God dang, you might as well write the book. So again, <laughs> like what do we need to do to get you or other people out there to, to share more? I mean, I think the biggest part of it is starting to share the stories that are already out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, there, there are some people out there who are happy to sit down and share their story. Like that, that's why I'm so glad to be here today. Cause I'm more than happy to share my story. And, um, if this can reach the ears of even one asexual person who's questioning whether they belong in this a spectrum or if they don't know where they lie or mm-hmm. um, or if they're afraid that they'll never meet a romantic partner if they want one. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they want kids and they don't or, think they'll or maybe find they someone want kids. who, again, understands how they feel. But if, if I can make someone feel validated as an asexual, regardless of where they are on the spectrum, then it's important. And that is going to help uh, the conversation as a whole because mm-hmm. there there is a severe lack of it. And uh, going back to the AVEN and the asexual aces on Facebook, you'll see people asking all the time, are there any good books or movies that mm-hmm. uh, talk about love without uh, making sex a big emphasis? Mm-hmm. And so it's something that a lot of asexual people are looking for. We want it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we just need to find the people willing to share their story and talk to them. Yeah. Talk to them on a podcast. Have them write something to put online. And um, I mean, honestly, I probably could write a really interesting story about how Royce and I met. Yeah. because. That stuff is right out of a corny romance novel. Can I hear a little bit about your romantic story? <laughs> sure, sure. I'm always interested in how people met and, and, you know. Well, it was highly unusual uh, for a number of reasons. But uh, in my life, unusual is what I am an expert in. So <laughs> that's really no surprise. But before I met Royce... I was a proper Victorian lady in the sense that I did not have electricity in my house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I read by candlelight. I did have a cell phone, but it was a dumb cell phone, and I was never going to get a smartphone. And I was very happy with my simple, minimal technology Mm -hmm. life and... um, But I had one friend who just said, you know, you just be a 21st century human. You need to get electricity in your house again. (laughs) (laughs) This is nonsense. So I I finally got some electricity in my house. And then she said, great, now you need a computer. Uh, uh And I got a computer. And this is a, a very, very good friend of mine. And she meets all these people online, both sexual partners, romantic partners, friends. She meets everyone that she cares about online or at at least did at this time and so she was saying oh you just need to get online and start meeting some people (laughs) and (laughs) like oh it's that simple oh it's just that simple sure sure (laughs) and I was horrified by the fact of meeting people online and I wasn't interested in dating because I had already learned how difficult it can be to date sexual people Uh as an asexual person how old were you at this point uh this would have been 
19. Mm-hmm. 19. So, but she said, oh, you don't have to just meet people to date. You can just meet friends online. And she said, there's there's this website where you can say you're just looking for friends. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But she sat there with me next to her on the couch and she started setting up a profile for me. The website was OkCupid. Uh-huh. And she put in like, just looking for friends. And she starts putting in some information about me. And um, at the time, they didn't even have asexual as a sexuality option. I believe I learned recently that they do now, which makes me happy. I Uh haven't fact checked that for myself. But um, I will ask a friend. I know that's on there. She's Polly and I know she uses that. But yeah, I think I think it's an asexual, an option now to say Mm -hmm. you're asexual as an orientation. But um, I didn't put anywhere on my profile profile that I was asexual because I wasn't looking to date people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. everyone else kind of took that as yeah you are (laughs) challenge accepted (laughs) um and so I wasn't into it I wasn't going on there to talk to people but occasionally she'd send me a link and say like oh you should get to know this person this will be a good friend of yours and one day she sent me a link to someone who lived in Kansas and I lived in South Dakota at the time and she said this is your new husband and I said, why are you sending me the link to someone in Kansas? She said, oh, well, you know, maybe you want to visit Kansas someday and you'll have a friend whose couch you can crash on. This is how she operates when uh-huh. she travels. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I started talking to this fellow. He had very long hair. And that's why she was saying, this is your new husband. Look at this long hair. Mm. It was not Royce. He does have a <laughs> It was a totally unrelated person. But since this was the first person I really talked to for a little bit, the website algorithm must have thought, oh, you like long-haired uh, people in Kansas. <laughs> so the very first time I was ever just a little bored sitting at home and I thought I was going to log on and just see, uh, the very first profile on my home screen was Royce's profile. And I said, ooh, look at that hair. <laughs> so I, I went to his profile. I started looking through the pictures. And I was just so admiring his hair. So I started reading. And, oh, he has a pet snake. I love snakes. Uh-huh. And he has a job he likes. That's weird. Not a lot of people like their jobs these days. And um, I scroll way, way down to the bottom of his profile. He'd written basically a novel, which I, I was happy that he had so much information on I there. I love people that have <laughs> profiles. I really do. It was great because I was reading and I was just getting more and more fascinated by this person. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, way at the end, I think the question was like, what's the most private thing you're willing to admit? And he said, I'm asexual. And then I was told, I said, okay, I need to contact this person. And so I sent him a message and I commented on his snake and I commented on asexuality and I asked him if he owns a top hat because I'm a fan of top hats. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we started talking and we never stopped talking. And it wasn't long before we were making weekly trips to see each other. I'd uh, make the schedule at work so that I'd work four really long days so that I could go see him for a long weekend and Aww. come back up. And um, it was just absolutely perfect. And within just a couple minutes of talking to him, I sent his link to my friend who put me on here. And I said, no, this is my new husband. And here we are. It all happened. And so there there was one day where I was coming down to visit him. And I was taking I-29 South to come to Kansas City. And I got in a horrible, horrible, horrible car wreck. And uh, rolled over, smashed a concrete barrier, rolled a couple more times. And I was mostly fine, except for some 
blood and glass in my hair and glad you're okay yes you, my yes. car had to be saran wrapped to keep it in one piece to tow it off oh <laughs> it was pretty bad but oh, i wow. i had to call royce from the side of the road and say hey can you come to uh st joseph missouri to pick me up uh-huh. <laughs> because my car is totaled and i had to use a trucker's phone because my dumb phone got thrown all the way to the other side of the interstate and lived ah. <laughs> but um that weekend uh he came to pick me up and just embraced me for the longest time and uh started picking glass out of my hair and even though it was making him a little bit queasy he was like helping me change the bandages on the puncture wound in my knee and i had a deep cut on my hand that could have severed my thumb if it went a little further and he was helping me uh fix the bandages on that and uh so just taking such good care of me Mm -hmm. and that was the weekend that we decided you know life is too short we love each other we we want to get married we want to live together so we decided that I was going to go back to South Dakota. I was going to buy a new car and we were going to pack up and I was going to move down. And once I got back up to South Dakota, I got my used car and he came up to help me pack. And we opened up the console in the center of my new car and there was a single fortune from a fortune cookie in it that said, uh, traveling south will bring you great happiness. I love that. And I still have that fortune. Oh, that is such a great story. I love it. It was very, very good. So oh. everything was nauseatingly perfect. And, uh-huh. and oh, it was all it. because even though asexuality wasn't an option on this website, he was bold enough to say at, mm-hmm. on his profile, this is the deal. Mm-hmm. And I honestly probably wouldn't have even contacted him if it didn't say that. Yeah. So it was... Uh, really just many weird perfect things that happened all in sequence to get us to where we are today that would make an amazing romance novel (laughs) absolutely it it really was and the very first time I came down to see him in person he -hmm. went out and he bought a top hat (gasps) to wear to meet me so (laughs) so we talk about uh showing love like that that is romance exactly (laughs) someone who doesn't wear anything on his head he i mean black t-shirts and jeans his wardrobe looks like a cartoon character because that's all he wears every single day and (laughs) uh goes out and buys a top hat just because i like them so Mm -hmm. um it is love it's real romantic love and for us sex doesn't need to be part of our relationship to make it real and special Mm -hmm. and um so that's why I love sharing my story on the um, on the asexual websites because there are lots of asexuals younger than I am that say, you know, does anyone have any stories of getting a romantic partner? Because at this point, I just feel like it's not yeah. in the cards for me. And so I like to say, well, it, it is possible. If this is something you want, it's possible. Yeah. And then, then there are aromantic asexuals that don't want a romantic relationship, and that's fine too. Yeah. So... But for those people who are asexual and don't want to be alone, mm-hmm. you know, that do want to have somebody in their lives. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're out there sharing your story so that they feel like, okay, there, there is hope. I could find a person that gets me and that I get them mm-hmm. and we're loving and we're supportive of one another. Right. And again, maintaining the boundaries that each of us need. Well, and based on how we're wired. And that's, that's why I think more, um, 
more sex positive people and more sex coaches need to talk to more asexual people because there's probably more of a crossover in just the language and the conversations that need to happen than a lot of people realize on the surface because I agree even though it may not be something that I would have looked for in a relationship I've seen people online who are asexual who say you know my partner is sexual so we have established boundaries where he can go have sexual intercourse with other people mm -hmm. and then come home and then I'm the I'm the romantic partner uh -huh. and that's okay too yes. it's just a matter of have the conversations figure out what works for everybody involved yes. and then figure out how to put it in practice so yes exactly exactly that's we are all once you're an adult you get to write the rules of mm -hmm. your relationship none of us have to follow what our parents or our grandparents did none of us have to follow what a religion tells us we should mm -hmm. or should not do none of us have to do it the way that our friends did it mm -hmm. or do it you get to be the one who decides how your life runs mm -hmm. and there's so much variety and there's so many options there really are there, as long as there are options as long as you again you're saying like you said you're communicating you're honest about it and everyone feels loved and cared for that brutal honesty is essential. It really is. And I mean, Royce and I have a very strong relationship. And even though, you know, some of the tougher sexual conversations haven't been something we've needed in our relationship, the fact that we are very open and honest with one another is most of the reason why we are so close and why our romantic relationship does work so well. So mm -hmm. regardless of where you are in your sexuality, in the spectrum, in the gender, just whenever you're engaging in a relationship with another human, have conversations, yes. establish boundaries, stay open. Mm -hmm. Yep. And show respect. Show Absolutely. respect. <laughs> so you into tarot? Um, yeah okay have you, have, you, have you done a reading before uh not in a very long time well if you're open to it i enjoy doing just like the little one card draw sure i'm, I'm game beautiful erotic tarot cards oh wow okay the art on these are interesting <laughs> but the thing is everyone seems to draw a card that's very pertinent okay. to them so I'm interested to see, like, literally, the romance author drew one of a woman reading a book in a cafe. Wow. I was like, that is just, yeah. And then I read books in cafes a lot, so. Oh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe I'll here. pull that one, too. Maybe I'll draw a card that's someone rejecting somebody. I don't know. We'll see here. I, mean, <laughs> I like, guess we'll or, find and, out. And being confident in it and just being like, you know, I'm leaving you alone. <laughs> okay. So if you'd like to just cut the deck in half. Okay. Or wherever you feel to cut it. Okay. Okay. Let's just see what we've got here. Let's just see what we've got here. Oh, it's a woman alone. A woman alone. Will you describe what you see here? We've got the seven of earth. Let's see. It is a woman alone. She is looking over papers. There seem to be some writing on it. Mm hmm. Hmm. So the earth suit um, corresponds with the suit of pentacles and pentacles is about good fortune and making money and things like that. 
Uh, it's about the sense of touch and physical and material sphere. The earth governs the body and our knowledge of it and also the instincts and sensations which this knowledge brings about. It's also the relationship with the self and one's inner being. Ooh. So the seven is about business, transaction, the fruit of one's own work or exchange. Uh, it's Saturn in Taurus, so it's the need to focus or consolidate in a continuous and and po- oh, sorry, in a continuous and possessive manner. Ooh. So, I mean, I think a lot of what we talked take about today it. very <laughs> much goes along with some of that stuff. So you, I will take it. You talk about that relationship with the self mm-hmm. and one's inner being. Um. Yeah, I'm sure totally owning who journey, you are, what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Journeys, always evolving, always learning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, then, I'll take it. <laughs> I like it. All right. Good. Again, remind my listeners when Asexuality Awareness Week is. So October 22nd through the 28th. I believe it's the 22nd through the 28th. Yes. Okay. All right. So I will do my best to post that week. Um, again, helping raise awareness let people understand more about it and again if there's somebody out there who sees that information and connects with it and helps them understand themselves or understand someone in their life uh, a little bit better then you know that's what it's all about that's what it's all about well you know i think maybe there is something else that's worth mentioning that i don't think i mentioned yet um and this kind of comes up because i uh did an interview on asexuality several months ago at this point. Um, it was a big article where uh, the writer of this was interviewing many, many asexuals. And going back to your point of nobody's going to write the story as well as the person who's experiencing it, mm-hmm. um, I was contacted because I'm asexual. And she was particularly interested in the fact that I'm asexual and married. Mm-hmm. And the very first question asked to me in this interview was do you consider yourself a virgin why or why not and I later found out that she wasn't just interviewing a bunch of asexuals she was interviewing a bunch of virgins okay (laughs) and so it seemed very clear to me that this writer believed that virgins are synonymous with asexuals which as we've already discussed that is not necessarily no, the yeah. case because maybe someone had sex they had was in a long-term relationship and just not feeling right about it and then realized like oh this is why i'm not feeling right about this because i'm actually right. asexual like and that's part of a bigger again, problem that asexuals as- have kids <laughs> there are asexuals that oh have my kids God. oh what an assumption she made there yeah and and i think that goes to an assumption that a lot of people have that asexuals are just celibate mm-hmm. and to me at least celibacy is a choice for whatever reason that person may have to not engage in sexual intercourse mm-hmm. but an asexual isn't saying i just don't want sex for one reason or another they're saying i'm not sexually attracted to another person yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. you're you're conflating a choice with an orientation yes. which mm-hmm. if there's one thing that the lgbt community as a whole has been fighting for it's that this is how i'm oriented this is how i was born this is not a, a, choice. a choice so mm-hmm. um it, it is very important to understand that no it doesn't mean celibacy it doesn't necessarily mean virginity and mm-hmm. 
I mean, I <laughs> none of this made it into the final article, but I started talking about like, what even is virginity? Uh-huh. Virginity's a made up concept to make fun of women. And <laughs> I'm with you. I was actually just thinking about like, let's go there with this because I I have been working hard myself to try to change what I say. I'm trying to not mm-hmm. say virgin, virginity, things like that. I've been saying things like making a sexual debut, having, <laughs> having intercourse for the first time, just anything. That, and like, I'm kind of testing some things. I heard someone else say sexual debut. I was like, Ooh, I like that. Debut makes right? it sound so glamorous. Like you're, uh, you're yeah. You worked for, you know, like making your debut, but like, yeah, virginity is steeped in patriarchy and mm-hmm. steeped in religious overtones. It's also steeped in the idea that you're giving something away or something's being taken from you. Yes. And, and that thing is sacred. And, and there, there's such a double standard about how women are treated as virgins versus men. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and there, <laughs> there are so many layers to it. But yes. I, I think virginity is a made-up concept. So to begin with, I was like, no, I don't consider myself a virgin because. Yeah. Well, and it's also. What is virginity? Right. <laughs> and, it, and it's also labeling that intercourse is the only way that you can have sex. So I, cause to me, um, sex has a lot of different forms and shapes and varieties. Because does that mean if penetration is the only thing that makes you lose a, your virginity, does that mean that lesbians never lose a virginity under that construct? Well, that's basically what they're saying. And that's Depending not, and that's on not who accurate. you ask. And that's, not, <laughs> and that's not accurate, right? So, yes, I, I'm trying to remove that virginity. So thank you for bringing that, that up. That's interesting. That from my vernacular. If, if you ever come up with, like, just the perfect replacement for that word, uh, please let it me know. It is now going to be my life's work because <laughs> I feel like I could, you know, write a book about it. And oh, yeah, <laughs> you could write a book about it. You can coin it. Mm-hmm. There, there, There is a gap in proper vocabulary when it comes to those conversations yeah. I think Agreed. but we're kind of I think we're all kind of working on it right we're not all but a lot of us are trying to work on these things and and also I think trying to be more accepting of how someone self-identifies yes that is an important step too right now in our society is that if as we do start coming up with better ways to think about sexuality and, and the various things upon the spectrum all the way from highly sexual to asexual mm-hmm. um as we start coming up with more and more ways to understand it like yes terms come about and terms can be confusing but we owe it to people to kind of learn more about these things because it's just it's there are attempts at ways to get us to connect is how mm-hmm. i feel some people use them as labels and boxes and like that's again how I need to deal with you. Mm-hmm. I think other people use it as a way to okay, like, all right, now let's kind of do this dance of humanity and like let's work on respecting each other and lifting each other up, you know? Yeah. Well and you know, that's just something that never occurred to me because, you know, as an asexual, I, I don't often speak about my sexual encounters with other people, but I, I think in any taboo conversation there's going to be some kind of gap in the language because people aren't used to talking about it or they're using um, outdated language because people don't talk about it enough to let that language evolve Mm -hmm. as language naturally does and Mm -hmm. um, as you were talking I was relating that to a lot of conversations that I do have which in my line of work it revolves around grief and death and there are definitely a lot of gaps in that language also mm-hmm. that uh, people in 
you know, the, the death positive community are always trying to educate better ways to say things. So mm. I yeah. think that's in, in any taboo conversation, I think we just need to be better about language. <laughs> I think all that's coming from a place of empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's thinking about like, put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, if you say these things to them, think about how that's affecting them and mm-hmm. how, how that can be perceived. The things like, you know, we talked about the deaf community and um, when people say like, oh, I'm sorry, everything happens for a reason and you're just, you know, you're on this journey and you're going to have to figure, don't, don't say those things to people when they're mourning. Oh, you can, yeah. You can look someone in the eye and say, you're sorry. How can I help you? I'm here for you, but. Well, like, and honestly. <laughs> be, be a little bit more sensitive when you're talking to people. I think even the bad language comes from wanting to help and do good. Mm-hmm. People want to be able to fix it but the problem is it's not fixable so I think once we can stop saying this is something I'm trying to fix and just be present Mm -hmm. with someone who's going through something uh that can already help to try to change the way you think of it because I mean one of the biggest things I like to say is just I don't have any words yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine how hard this is because yeah. it's okay to own the fact that you don't know what to say mm-hmm. sometimes saying yes. you don't know what to say is the best thing to it say is, <laughs> yeah or I don't have the answers for you or you should be a coach Courtney I <laughs> that because that's exactly I probably the could be kind of approach that someone needs to take is that I'm not here to fix anything for anybody people come to me with these issues and I'm I tell them like I'm not here to fix you I am here to help you go on this like journey to, to figure out like how do you remedy how you're feeling about it. That doesn't mean fixing things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there is no fix. You've just got to learn to You have to work with what you it. have. Yes. In, in any situation, whether it's mm-hmm. a sexual journey or a grief journey, there's mm-hmm. a surprising amount of overlap just yeah. in the way that people are bad about talking about it. People don't always know how to navigate it on their own mm-hmm. and... There isn't enough discussion about it. Right. Man, we need to have like um, some like sex and death events or something. I was just thinking that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We could put our heads together, I'm sure, and come up with something really fun. I love it. <laughs> wow. I really, really enjoyed having you here today. And I, I learned a lot. So I'm sure my listeners will learn a lot. And again, if, if the stories that you shared today help even just one person understand more about themselves, um, then I'm so glad to have had you on here today. I'm so so glad that you had me. Tell the people where they can find you. How can people reach you? Absolutely. Well, you can find my website at neverforgottencl.com. That's CL for Courtney Lane. And Never Forgotten CL is also my Instagram account if you'd like to follow me there. I also have a Twitter and Facebook that you can find me, but... Uh, website and Instagram are the big ones. Gotcha. Very good. I might have you on again, I'm sure. Wonderful. I look forward to it. (laughs) Take care. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast. And check the show notes for stuff we discussed in the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. 
You can join my not safe for work email list called the Dirty Bird if you want more content about sex and relationships. You can support said content, like my work with this podcast and other forms of media, by visiting listener support with Anchor FM or visit patreon.com to become one of my patrons. Again, check the show notes. I have links for you there. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.